0: Welcome to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, inland Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And I hope you guys have been enjoying this financial education month. I know it's been called financial literacy, but we are educating people this entire month and we wanna continue that going. So we've had some incredible guests on like we always do. We have another guest joining us today. Can't wait to get her on and let her bless you with her knowledge. But before we get to that, I just wanted to say just some quick tips about financial education we're talking about financial education all month and and I wanted to make sure that I gave some financial education tips. I wanted to give two tips today. And the first tip was, Going to be in regards to your monthly spending. We're not going to talk about budgeting. We're not going to talk about that. I know you guys don't like the B word, but we're going to call it conscious spending. You've heard me say that. But one thing that I want to do, and I always tell people to do this, is spring cleaning your finances. What do I mean by that? Let's go back today. I was even doing this as I was looking at my finances, and I do this every every year about this time for the spring. So I go back through and I relook at all of my reoccurring transactions that money's just coming out of my account and I don't have to think. So I check those to make sure that I'm still using all of those services that have been charging me for them. This is a way that you can go back into your finances. Pretty simple. If you're doing the monthly charges, just go to your billing statement and see, or your monthly bank statement and see what things do I have that are coming out of my account every month. Okay. And then the next recommendation or tip is after you do that and you find out how many of those things that you are using that you don't use, that you can cancel, I want you to take all of that money and save it. I think that it's money that you've already been spending, we can either put that into an investment account or just put it into your savings account, but I wanna save you a couple extra dollars. So first things first, we're gonna go through our transactions this month, go through your transactions, of your reoccurring transactions, see which ones you don't use, cancel them, and then save that money. Please tell us about that and let us know how that tip works. I just wanted to make sure that we got a tip to you. Now we want to get on to the show. So today we are joined by Valerie Revere and we are excited to have her on. She is a CFP. She's a wealth of knowledge. We met on social media. I've been following her for some time. You guys are in for a treat. So Valerie, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Emlyn. I'm so happy to be here.
0: So Valerie and I think we met on Twitter. I think it was. I think it was on Twitter.
1: We met on Twitter over the last year. I have met so many amazing people on there. So it's like my new Twitter family. Yeah,
0: right. FinTwit. Shout out to FinTwit. If you're not on FinTwit, if you're a financial advisor, you're listening to this and you are not on Twitter, shame on you. Get on Twitter, get yourself a FinTwit so you can meet all the wonderful people like Valerie and myself that are on Twitter waiting to welcome you into the industry and help you disrupt this thing called financial services. So today, Valerie, like I said, welcome to the show in For the people that don't know you just yet, can you give them a little background? Tell us about Valerie. Tell us who you are, what you do.
1: Yeah, cool. Thank you. So I am born and raised in Chicago. I grew up in a family of six, married for the last 11 years. I'm one of those people that have been with their person forever. So I met my husband when I was 20 years old. I like to say that I gave him all my good years. (laughs) (laughs) I have an almost three-year-old. She'll be three this week. And I've been in financial planning for almost 15 years now. I have no business. like Being in this industry kind of happened by chance. My parents still don't like fully understand what I do for a living. But yeah, it, it happened over time. And I'm about to launch my own financial planning practice. So it's the weirdest thing to go from being in a world where no one looks like you in the industry to then say, I'm going to fulfill my dream of having my own practice. So life is crazy in that way.
0: But it's awesome that you were doing that. How does that, taking that first step into saying, okay, I'm going to, you know, because probably thinking about it for a little while, right? Do your research, make sure you got everything before you launch. How did that okay. feel when you actually took
1: it? One thing about me, right? i is like, I'm a planner. Mm-hmm. So I'm a CFP, but like I'm a planner in everything that I do. I planned out my pregnancy with my mom's retirement, okay? Like, I was not messing around. I talked to her. She was on board. So this has been a long time in the making. And it was actually one of my colleagues who had approached me about joining a practice with him, like starting together. At that point, there was no way I was going to do it. So it went from there's no way in hell I will ever do this to There's no way in hell I won't do this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's been about two years in the making. A lot of it has been planning financially for this. I don't come for money. There was no account waiting for me. I can't ask mom and dad for a loan, right? Like there's no safety net there. Mm -hmm. Despite coming from a Latino background, my direct family, like we're not entrepreneurs. It's a very different route of you don't take risks. You have that steady paycheck right? You keep your head down. And so to go to my parents, right? I'm as a grown ass woman to go to my parents and say, I'm going to do this. They're a little scared for me. Mm -hmm. Like straight up, they were a little scared for me. like, are you sure you want to actually do this? And I've listened to enough podcasts and have met with so many people. I'm like, I know worst case scenario is I get another job somewhere. Like that's what happens. Like that's worst case scenario. But a lot of that confidence has come from the time in the industry, having a partner who's working and has health insurance, right? Like that's a huge privilege and saving, right? Having that financial cushion where I know that I can build with
0: intention. Listening to the minority entrepreneur, right? No backup plan, right? We got to make sure that this plan has to work. Like I can't start a business that has to work. You know what I mean? Now, obviously, if it doesn't, then we can go get a job, but that wasn't the plan. You know what I mean? And so there's no help. You're out there. You do have the family support. This is the same story that I have, right? It took me two years to get to the play. I mean, almost to the T, right? Like almost to the T, like what you said, My wife was working, so she was able to get the health insurance. So I I feel you. But let me tell you this. You're going to succeed. Let me tell you this. You're going to succeed. Let me tell you this. You're going to succeed. You need to hear it. You're going to be successful because you can look out on the financial planning landscape and see people with practices that look like you, that have been successful. So yes, I'm excited for you, Valerie, and I'm excited for everything that you're going to do. Today, we're going to talk about the power of financial planning, which, how appropriate, right? (laughs) How appropriate. So Mm -hmm. I think there's truly power in financial planning. And I think just in the title of the episode, I think about the change that, you know, I won't even talk about my clients at this point, like the change that financial planning, because I'm a firm believer in you have to eat the home cooking. You got to be doing what you're telling people to do or, or have done it. I think that it helps with the conviction when you explain something. So as we talk about that, the power of financial planning, how do you find the balance of being authentic and representing your culture while not being a sellout? How are you able to do that?
1: That's just a loaded question. (laughs) I have to bring it back a little bit to be able to kind of paint the picture. Yeah. So my first job in wealth management, not in finance, but in wealth management was with the firm Alliance Bernstein in Chicago. Incredibly white glove. An average, average client there was $10, 20000000 million. Everyone there around me didn't look like me, right? But it wasn't a racist environment in any kind of way. What it was, was an incredibly classist environment. So if I was brown, but had a lot of money and came from the right area, it would have been all good, but I wasn't. Coming from my background, what continuously happened was that I was not afforded opportunities because I was dismissed off the bat. So I distinctly remember one of my directors talking to me in the beginning about the board of directors there and how someone actually got on the board. She's explaining to me what the process is like. And then she stops midway and says, let me not even tell you this. It'll never happen for you. Right? So a lot of instances like that, where no one looked like me on the client side. No one looked like me on the advisor side. I'm going home to my family. We're a family of six. My dad made $40,000 a year. And I here I was working with these really rich people all day. But these are real people, right, with real problems. Their problems just are different, but they're still real problems. So it felt like I didn't really belong there and definitely wasn't treated very nicely. But then at home, I also felt it was this you're helping rich people make more money at mm-hmm. the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's been a really interesting dynamic. I was also kind of I was mid twenties at that time. So things have evolved a lot since then. And it's really impacted the work that I do today. And it really influenced the fact that I want to start my own practice working with first-generation wealth builders and realizing that there's a different way to charge people, right? It's not just based upon how much money you have, because that tends to be a big, Clog, right? In terms of, well, we can't work with you because we can't find a way to charge you. But there's a different way to work with people that need help. And so it's been this evolution over time to go from that early 20s Valerie who's scared and isn't treated nicely to then go to the place like, I'm going to assert my own practice working with not just people of color, but people who didn't learn about this stuff growing up, because that's so many of us, right? It's beyond color. So it's been an evolution
0: I'm one. Yeah. And I think as you paint that picture,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I feel your pain being the only person that looks like you there, not seeing the representation and then mm-hmm. conflicted because it's like, I'm helping people get richer while my people aren't. I'm not helping anybody else. And so when we talk about that balance between being authentic, and that's why I wanted to really like, how did you do that? Because I know it's hard to be able to, you know, going into that environment every day, you have to gear yourself up to to deal with that but never losing yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Still staying true to what you value and still saying that. So when we get there, what were some of the things that you were doing to try to balance that? How would you, you know what I mean? How did you Mm -hmm. do that? And the only reason I'm asking is because it's something that I've struggled with too. You're not alone in this. This is something that we all struggle with.
1: Yeah. For me, the biggest way that I was able to do that was through learning and educating myself on financial planning. So I remember being at Bernstein saying, I want to get my CFP, but I was nervous to say those words out loud to the advisors. Mm -hmm. I was an associate there supporting about five different advisors. And I felt like like they were rock stars. But here I was behind the scenes, actually creating the financial plans and learning about the clients. And that was the first time I ever even knew you could be a financial advisor. You could be in wealth management. There was no wealth to manage at home. So what I learned was that I feel most confident when I know what I'm talking about. How do I know what I'm talking about? By learning. So that's when I said, I'm going to start my CFP program. I want to do this, listening to podcasts, talking to anyone that I could in the industry. So for me, it was knowing my stuff is what helped me gain the confidence. And from there, I'm going to other firms that were also really successful firms, working on really successful teams. Looking behind the curtain and seeing that there's a lot of salespeople here who don't actually know a whole lot about financial planning. So looking behind that really helped to build my confidence in everything that I knew. At one point, I joined this broker dealer in Chicago, and it was a team run by just women who had been together since the 70s. They're managing over a billion dollars for about 150 clients. So again, right, like. You're talking about high net worth households. When I interviewed to be on that team, the main advisor that I met with, I will tell you, i flat out. I didn't like her when I interviewed with her. And I told myself, Valerie, do you not like her because she's a strong woman? Like, is that what it is? Because if a man did this, it would be okay. But then after being there for a year, I realized, no. You can suck in all different shapes and sizes, right? It (laughs) it can happen anywhere you go. Mm -hmm. But from that year of being there and seeing this really high-powered advisor and being in all of the meetings, I was the one who actually knew about the planning. Mm -hmm. I I was the one being brought in. I knew about all of this stuff that this person who had been there for decades knew nothing about. And for me, it was such an eye-opener about, right, Valerie, if you know your stuff and you keep learning, and you make that a priority, Mm -hmm. you will be good. So that's what helped me build my confidence along the way. It helped me to feel like I belonged there because I knew that I could make an impact on clients.
0: It's so powerful to hear you say that. When we finally know that we know, we know that we know that we know that we belong. Walking into the room, now I belong here. When you got your swag, right? Now, Now wait, hold on, this lady's been doing this for this long. They got me here for the financial point. This is what I do. This is what I know. This is my value. And then once you see and understand the value that you create, you can't keep that contained, right? Now it's starting to exude into your professional confidence. And I think that is the biggest thing that advisors, when we first come into the industry or when we have those, I think it's professional confidence as that grows and continues to grow. Cause I don't think it'll be the last time that your professional confidence will be here and then you'll get to another level and it'll grow again. It'll grow again. It'll grow again. And I'm saying, as you've leveled up in your professional confidence, this is how you got to the place where you started your firm. This is where you said you need to do that. As we talk about the need to provide financial advice, talk to us about how you think, how providing financial advice can help close the wealth gap.
1: I think it's everything, right? And um, We live in a society where the system is set up against us. Coming from Chicago, right, that's, that's where I, I live. It's an incredibly diverse city that is incredibly segregated. You can stand on the platform of a train line and I can tell you who's gonna get on what train, Mm -hmm. right? And so we have segments of the city, but you hear about Chicago, so dangerous, this and that. It's concentrated in certain neighborhoods. They happen to be black and brown. Well, they also happen to be neighborhoods where there's disinvestment, right? Over long periods of time. There's no banks for lending. There are no good schools, schools are being closed down. It's a food desert, right? There's lack of trains to get to jobs downtown. So there's a lack of all of this. So there's larger systemic pieces at play to keep people where they are. That being said, it doesn't mean that things are hopeless. But what it means is that it's going to be harder to make that exit because the system is designed against us. It just is.
0: I've been talking about this today. We had a conversation earlier about this. And it's not just the lending practices for people of color are still going on. Mm -hmm. You do get a higher rate if you're a person of color. You do get a higher rate if you're a woman. You do get charged more if you go to get a car. They charge you more. If you're getting a job, they're paying you. Left. All those things are still in play with everything that's going on. The statistics are staggering about that. So yes, when you say the system is not created for us, and I know some people listen to that and they're like, oh, people are just complaining. No, 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 it's not complaint. This is documented. This is real. This is true. This is facts that this doesn't happen. And I think it doesn't get paid attention to enough and people discount it all the time. And so when you have this place, I hear you talk a lot of representation, a lot or the lack thereof, right, in the industry. One of the things that I was talking about or that I wanted to talk to you about was being the first in your family, right? Being the first to forge this entrepreneur path, the first to go to college, to be in finance, to make more than your parents and to do all of that. When you were told culturally, just stay out of the way. Don't make a lot of noise. Don't draw any attention to yourself. Just be a cog in the wheel, right? Basically talk to us about that. just take us through that being the first in your own path and then going to college. Talk to us about that journey and getting through that, Valerie, please.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an absolute privilege. I think about what my parents went through, right? My dad was the first in his family to be in this country. So for me, I have it easier than him because he didn't have to go from Mexico to the U.S., I'm very privileged in many ways because of the fact that I grew up in a household with a mom and a dad who loved me, right? We never had to worry about any of the basic necessities. So there are people who had it way better than me. There are people that had it a lot worse than me. So by no means, I want to paint the picture where I was living out of a box, but it has been kind of an interesting shift that I reflect upon now as I get older, Where I think about growing up and my parents who have always done so with love, but in an effort to protect me, to protect my siblings of stay where you are, right? My very first professional job was as as an admin assistant. My dad told me, don't leave. You get a pension there. You'll never do better than this. Don't go. When I left and joined a bank, Valerie, you made a mistake. There's no pension here. You should not have done that. So that happened for about maybe the first decade or so. So it's interesting to have this mix where you have your parents who you love and you respect no matter what. But you also know, right? Kind of deep down, I knew like, they don't know any better at this point, Like, right? They know about a lot of things, but they don't know about this. And so I felt a lot of guilt when I would tell my dad that, oh, I'm actually going to have some career advancement. I'm going to go to this, this next company. Valerie, you're not loyal. You're not loyal. You don't know what you're doing. This is going to bite you. So now we're at the point with him where he trusts me. He trusts me. When I told him I was launching my practice, a little confused because the whole idea of what well, you're going to work for yourself, even with my daughter, he says, oh, so do you still need childcare now that you're not working? Like, no, I'm working. I'm just not going to be paid for a while because I have to build up clients. It's definitely an interesting dynamic that continues to evolve, but I'm so thankful along the way to be able to have grown up in a stable household, to have parents that no matter what didn't give me the best advice, right? But loved me. And that's more than enough.
0: And I think there's so many things like that when you're talking about that, I hear you saying that and I see that a lot with my wife, right? Because similar culture. And so it's when the loyalty thing is a big deal. Loyalty is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And then the pension, like I hear that all the time. It's like you think about this and I think as we're talking about financial education, right? What happens if there was a Valerie to talk to your parents when they were younger? What happens if there's an Emily to talk to the parents of your spouse now? What happens if there's a, you know, there's an Angela somewhere to go talk to another family of color that, that needs to hear this? from someone different than the person that is in their family, right? They need to hear mm-hmm. it from an outside source. And what I think is as we continue to grow in financial planning in the industry and we have more firms like yourself getting started, that means that there's a possibility that Valerie can find that family at the right time and help change the trajectory of their finances, right? And I think that that's the part where it's going to be able, like that has to get you excited. That's going to be your driving force. And I know it does get you excited. I know that's the driving force. And I know that's why you're doing the business. Tell us about that power. Tell us about the power of financial planning and how it does do that. Because that's why we're doing. this, right. Yeah. So, okay,
1: tell us. It has meant everything to me, right? When I started off my career in this industry, not knowing that I wanted to be in this industry and seeing how people were investing their money That's when I started my investment journey. It has completely changed my life. It's allowed me to save, to invest, to have a repeatable process in place, to be able to buy my second home, to be able to invest so that I could have enough where I could leave my job, I could leave a steady paycheck, and I could start this, right? It's such a big deal to be able to walk away from a steady paycheck on purpose. And that's only because of the financial planning that was done. This was not by accident. Mm -hmm. This was a long time of having delayed gratification, of having ongoing plan in place that was changing, of having lots of conversations with my husband, discussing trade-offs in terms of Well, we're not going to buy this house because it costs too much. We're not going to do this thing, but we are going to be able to invest so that we can one day use this portfolio to then support us. There are all of these active conversations that we're having because I learned about financial planning. Without that, if you're just saving, that's not enough. You need to invest with it. And so it took me learning the industry existed to then be able to apply these practices in my real life, to then be able to do what I'm doing now and then pay it forward. I'm my parents' pro bono financial advisor. Sometimes I laugh when you talk about where's Valerie before. I wish I could have been around when my parents were starting off so that I could have helped them with their retirement planning. My dad was only able to retire It was a laborer for a chemical company, like literally lifting up barrels of ink back and forth. And he did that for about 40 years until he was injured. He had to be injured in order to retire. So think about that, right? You have to hurt, like it was an accident and it was an ongoing injury over years and years of time. But in order to retire, you had to be physically unwell. And that's so many, that's so many of us.
0: I think it's just like you're bringing up, this is real life. This is what really people are dealing with, right? This is what some of the clients that you're going to see are going to be dealing with. This is what some of the clients that I'm working with we're dealing with, right? And it's like, if they don't have that pension and they don't have the financial education, like if you think back, like you're talking about the plan that you put together, right? There was some critical times in that plan development that you needed things to go a certain way. You had to make some decisions. You had to not do this, Mm -hmm. not do that. And thinking about that, it would be so hard for someone to make the right financial decisions at the right time without the education on the decisions that they need to make.
1: hundred percent. Because the first question is, okay, what's a stock? What's a bond? What's an ETF? What the hell is fidelity? What does any of this mean? Right? This is a different language. It's Mm -hmm. a completely different language. I remember being at a firm and one of my colleagues was telling me, oh yeah, my dad just sent over some money to me so I could fund my Roth IRA and My thought is, okay, that must be nice. That must be nice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. So I was a little bit jealous, but then fast forward, I am so proud that I have a little kid who's like, let me trust fund baby. And for me, that's the whole thing, not about having money for the sake of having money, but changing the trajectory of our future generations because of the intentional choices we're making today. And it's all possible.
0: Powerful, powerful words right here being spoken. I told you guys, I told you. As you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast. I'm like, there's so many more things that I want to get to. But as you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast. We're changing the complexion of wealth. What motivates you and inspires you to grow, learn, and lead?
1: Seeing the progress of my people around me, my friends, my family, my clients, seeing them start off in one place and really being able to see that growth happen over time. So, I want every generation to be better than the next. Like, how cool is it that my dad finished sixth grade and I'm beyond college? Like, that's so cool. Just from one generation to the next. So I'm so excited for what our generation can do in their lifetime, right? And if you haven't started, if you haven't done anything, it's never too late, never, ever too late. So I'm just so motivated by the progress.
0: I love that. Do you think education plays a big part in wealth building?
1: It does play a big part, right? As I mentioned before, there's all of these other systematic pieces at play where it's hard to have a good education when you're thinking about where your next meal is coming from and your basic safety. But yes, education plays a big part of it. And there's access to resources that are free, right? Like on YouTube, there's some really amazing channels out there of really, really great people providing free content. Like My Rich Journey, for example, is one of my favorite places to go on YouTube. So you can't ever say that you need to have a college degree or you need an expensive master's program. There's youtube.com.
0: And I think people sleep on YouTube, right? I changed some stuff on my motorcycle. I needed to change my stator. That's like an alternator on the bike. I needed to change that. I watched a YouTube video and did it. Mm -hmm. I needed to do several things to my computer. Need to watch a YouTube video and I was able to do it. So I'm all about education, not necessarily paying for it, but just the education, you know, not the traditional education. So I 100% agree. I feel like I have to, I was going to skip over this one, but I got to ask you this. So how has your family supported you on this journey?
1: Well, I have pro bono childcare. So that part's huge, Mm -hmm. right? But along the way, right, just having that love for my parents, it's a traditional Mexican household. So I'm not going to lie. I have a machismo dad all the way. (laughs) It is what it is. But I know, despite what he says, my parents love me very much. <laughs> and it's been really cool to see the evolution of these two people who are always really scared for me. Right. And scared for their kids because they wanted to protect them to now be in a place where my dad's like, you got it. That's really cool.
0: And You know, they're bragging about you to your friends. Oh, all the, the time.
1: Unfortunately, I need to stop telling tell my dad. He keeps telling everyone what I make for a living. I think he needs to stop.
0: (laughs) I'm not giving out loans to people. (laughs) That's so funny. I, I love it. I love proud parents. You know, you're a proud parent and like to be the child of a proud parent when you hear the stuff that your parents say about you, that's always awesome to me. As we're wrapping up here, last question I wanted to ask you was, if you could offer a piece of advice or some pieces of advice for our listeners, what would they be?
1: Here's an action item, right? A little exercise that I do at the beginning of every year, but also I'll do it mid year, depending upon how far life has sort of fallen off its tracks. Have you ever heard of this, Emily? It's called a start, stop, continue. No. Okay.
0: I have. I have. have? Certain things are going to start, certain things are going to stop. Exactly. I've heard that. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So, right. You just bust out a notebook, you get a pen, you make three columns start, stop, continue. I like to start with continue, and you start off by writing what are all of the things that you want to continue doing in life, right? So for me, it's I want to continue taking my daughter to swim class. I want to continue um, saying yes to every single time a friend invites me out to brunch. I want to continue watching my favorite show, This Is Us, right? Like those are the things I want to continue doing. And then, what are the things that you want to stop doing? So like, I want to stop. Eating cake every time I see it. I want to,
0: <laughs> like, no, I want to do stop that. <laughs> making
1: excuses for not exercising, right? I want to stop negative self talk. And then, what are the things you want to start doing? So, I want to start being really intentional with my time. I want to start putting blocks in on my social media so that I don't stay on there for too long, right? Maybe for you, it's I want to start investing. I want to start opening my first Roth IRA, whatever it might be. And I would look at those columns and say, what from those areas can you implement today, right? What's low hanging fruit? Mm -hmm. You don't have to wait until January for the beginning of the year. You don't have to wait for the beginning of the month or, oh, it's Monday. I can start on Monday. Start Mm -hmm. now. We make too many excuses. Start today. Like what's something small, right? Your intro was a really great point on that of like, Look at all of the subscriptions that you have. Do you really need Hulu and Disney Plus and Netflix? Probably not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? So maybe start by canceling one of those.
0: Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Well, oh, it's been an absolute pleasure just sitting and chatting with you. If people want to get more of Valerie Rivera, how do they do that? What sure. social medias are you active on?
1: I am on Twitter at Valerie G. Rivera. I'm also on LinkedIn and Soon I'll be right a real practice with a real website. And once that's up and running, I'll be there, but can't give that out just yet.
0: What's the name of your firm? What's that name going to be?
1: First Gen Wealth. So it's working with first generation wealth builders. So financial planning, no shame, no guilt.
0: Love it. Love it. Awesome. So you're going to kill it because that's what you do. I'm excited for it. Let us know how we can support in any way. We are here to help. We want to see you get a massive lift off. So we'll put all the links to the things that we can in the show notes. So if people want to get to your website when it's up, we'll make sure we do that. But once again, I can't thank you enough for coming onto the show and spending some time with us and, and sharing of your knowledge, your wealth of knowledge with our clients. Thank you so much, Valerie.
1: Thank you for having me, I'm Lynn. It has been awesome.
0: As you all know, this is the Minority Money Podcast, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Until next time, I'm your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly. Another great showdown.